Hello and welcome to Subclass Act, a solo role-playing actual play podcast. I'm your host, James Schrall. Hey y'all, and welcome back to another episode. We've got uh, some call-ins to get to today. We're going to get to that. We're going to get after that into the actual play. I'm going to play all of the call-ins that I have um, in this first block, except for one. Uh, I have one of them. I have the audio to clean up a little bit. It's going to take me a little bit more time, and I really want to get this episode out, so I'm going to do that. I'll get to the other call-in on the next episode. Uh, there's going to be a fair chunk of, uh, of call-ins here. Um, I really encourage everybody to listen to them because I think it's cool to hear what other listeners have to say and things like that. But if you are if you must, then the actual play part will be after this. Uh, so I'm not going to dally. We're going to get right to it. Hey, James, just finished your pre-log to Season 3, Episode 1, getting ready to launch into the game itself. But I wanted to call in and comment on a couple things because that's what I do. Uh, so you mentioned Dune. I So I haven't read through all the real Dune novels either. My understanding is the first six are really good, the ones by Frank Herbert, but the ones by his son really drop off in quality and they mess with the canon. So I, I've read a lot of people highly recommend just reading the first six. If you go past that, I'm really curious on your thoughts on the later novels. But if you stick to just the the six that Frank did, I totally understand that. Burning Wheel is a fascinating game, especially the way you can zoom in, zoom out, and either use, you know, really light mechanics, you know, one roll to resolve things, or use really intricate things if you want to dive into it. Um, but, but it's a campaign game. So what I mean by that is Burning Wheel is very much meant for long-term play, not for one-shots. I will get with you offline on some ideas of Dune and Burning Wheel. There's actually a supplement for Burning Wheel that's hard to get um, that's built for Dune, but I'll, I'll give you some lowdown on that. The other thing I, I'm going to send you offline is links, because I'm driving. I, I, I can't look at it, but there's a podcast called Gaming from the First Age, and it's a great podcast, highly recommended. You might already listen to it, but if you don't already, and you've heard um, him call into the show, too. He's called in my contest and all. But if you haven't, if you don't listen to that, he also loves Traveler. And there are some great episodes where he talks about CV's Deluxe and why that's his favorite version of Traveler. And I'll send you links to those episodes. As far as, darn it, see, this is why I wanted to call. And I've already lost my train of thought. So that was Dune. That was CV's Deluxe. I kind of covered Sam's call. Glad he's calling in shows. Um... And then, and then your email from your other traveler player. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I lost my train of thought. If I remember what else I was going to say, I'll call you back. But, um, yeah, keep up the great work. I'm looking forward to the episode. I'm going to dive into it now. So um, I will talk to you later. Oh, the parts for the, yeah, your Oracle thing. I'm really curious. I Well, let me listen to the show, and then I'll, I'll talk about it. Thanks, Jason. Yeah. Uh, Dune has been really interesting so far. Um, yeah, I had only heard originally somebody say the first three are good. Um, yeah, I've heard some people say the first six are good. I, you know, the ratings seem to be pretty good on them. Uh, what you said is, is kind of what I found so far. I haven't, I'm still on the second one. Um, so I probably won't veer beyond what he wrote, uh, to be honest, but, um, I mean, we'll see, but, uh, 
Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it may still be worth reading them. Like I, for example, the Ender's Game series, uh, at least the first four, I didn't read any of the later ones, but the first four, like I really liked uh, Ender's Game and uh, I really liked Speaker for the Dead, actually. Um, but then, um, uh, what is it? Children of the Mind and uh, Xenocide uh, weren't as good. Children of the Mind, in hindsight, is must be how I came up with the Pilgrims of the Single Mind. I must have like, cross those wires in my brain or something. I honestly think that's must be where that came from. That name came from in the last season. Um, yeah, I actually, I've heard of the burning wheel supplement you're talking about. I don't currently own a uh, burning wheel, but, uh, I've ever thought that if I, you know, uh, ever got like a promotion or something like that, and I need to celebrate that I might celebrate by getting a copy. <laughs> uh, it does seem really interesting. Like you said, it, it doesn't, it doesn't seem to be suitable for one shots. Obviously it's more campaign focused, but I find it really fascinating a lot of people refer to it as a rules heavy game. And I suppose that can be true in the sense that it, ha- it can have a lot of rules, but I've also heard people argue that it doesn't have to be that way. And that really it's, you're supposed to use the, with the hub and the spokes sort of more than anything, you're supposed to use the core of it and then only add those things if and when they make sense. Um, but I've, I've heard some good, uh, you know, praise and criticism on it um, from, from various people. Um, but it seems like one of those things that you gotta, you gotta read and you gotta own it. And, and I would be super interested in, in trying it out actually. Um, cause it seems like the thing I could, I could be super, super into. I love OSR games, like the emergent narrative, but I also like games that have like, uh, narrative mechanics. Um, I don't know. I just like different flavors of things. Like I, I just recently got scum and villainy, uh, which is blades in the dark. And there was a really good friends at the table podcast, uh, mini series where they did blades in the dark, uh, and Scum and Villainy is Plays in the Dark, but sci-fi. Uh, and on, uh, reading it so far, I think it's really cool, and the mechanics are, are really cool for that sort of thing. It's similar in the sense that it, it is campaign-driven, and um, you know, a fight could be as little as one role or more, just depending on the fiction. Uh, for me, like no matter which can- you know, at the moment, anyways, no matter which mechanics I'm using, however much or however little, uh, fiction first for me is the like the real focus, um, and fiction driving everything. Uh, so that's just my my current obsession. Um, yeah, the parts from million are oracles really good. And, um, I think you're going to say something later about, uh, in a, in a call that I haven't gotten to yet, um, about, uh, novels and stuff. So I'll hold that, uh, comment until we get there. But, um, yeah, Dune is, Dune is super fascinating to me. As far as gaming from the year first age, I had not listened to that yet. I did listen to the episode you're talking about and we'll probably listen to more. Um, I thought it was really interesting. Um, I think Cepheus or Cepheus, Cepheus Deluxe is, is really cool. Um, I have the PDF. It's maybe not for me, at least upon reading it. Of course, I haven't played it, but upon reading it, it's not for me the exact flavor I'm going for with Traveler. But I, it seems really fun, and I would like I would for sure play in a game with it. Um, I did, however, get. Um, I think Sam mentioned Cepheus, just the the, the original version. I have the uh, the Moon Toad published version, which is really, you know, it's just Cepheus SRD with some things cleaned up. Um, I I bought the uh, the print on demand version of that. And that's really cool. It, it is really, it is really similar to uh, Classic Traveler, which is slightly unified. It's basically that with a unified mechanic. Uh, the characteristics add bonuses in general, more like D and D in that way. It's probably the biggest departure, but a lot of the tables and stuff are similar. It's very cool, very cool version of the game. So that's a really good option. And, I mean, heck, maybe maybe if I if I have a character death and I need to roll up another one, maybe I'll use that. Uh, it has some of the other careers uh, kind of baked in um that kind of i had with uh or you know like belters and things like that that uh with classic traveler comes with the citizens of the imperium uh pdf supplement that i have um but we'll see uh we'll see uh yeah let me get on to you've got a couple other calls so i'm gonna get into those 
Ha! Okay, I did pause during the recording because I remember what I was going to say when you talked about the the travel and the no faster and light communication. Um, do, do you because you talk about Firefly and you know you kind of referenced aliens. Did you know if you look up Firefly is tangentially considered part of the aliens universe? Just that's more of a fan thing because there's a a Whalen Utani, you know, symbol or or um, you know crest on the dash in the first episode of Firefly on the spaceship dash but when you look at the aliens universe it encompasses of course all the aliens films all the predator films all the predator versus alien films blade runner the blade runner 2049 i I think that's right here and of course the kurt russell movie soldier all those are directly canon blade or alien movies and then tangentially the firefly which of course happened after the whole aliens all the aliens movies anyway talk talk go back to episode uh, yes, a quick response to the alien thing. Yeah, so I've so far I've only seen Alien and Aliens. I've not seen any of the Predator movies. Actually, that's not true. I did see Blade Runner from that list as well. Um, but then, of course, Firefly. Firefly is one of my very favorite TV shows of all times. So it's so good. Um, yeah, that's kind of funny. You know, people wanting to put them in the same universe. Um, maybe that's something that should the uh, the Cerebravore podcast should talk about with, uh, if you ever revisit the idea of a shared universe. Uh, maybe uh, argue over whether or not that that is uh, that's legit or not. <laughs> um, no, that's that's cool though. I I um, yeah, for me it's kind of like I I'm kind of part of me doesn't want to watch the other aliens movies or the other predator movies because uh, you know I thought Alien and Aliens were both really different. If anything, I actually think I preferred Alien. Um, I mean, Aliens has great quotes, right? That I quote all the time now, like uh, you know, nuke it from orbit. It's the only way to be sure, and things like that. Um, or game over, man. But uh, but I don't know. Alien was really really good, and like horror is not even normally my my thing uh, necessarily. I'm not always opposed to it necessarily, but it's not really what I go for in general. But I just really I don't know. It's really intriguing, and I love so much of the cinematography. Uh, I also I love the like the very like tactile view of the computers and stuff like that. And I know that's partly a, a you know an artifact of the time, but I mean I you know my my uh, computer here's a got a mechanical keyboard and everything and you know i i like all that kind of stuff so anyway uh yeah alien super cool firefly super cool okay so i finished season three episode one great cliffhanger i enjoyed it i that using the novel sounds like it's a really great idea i wonder how often and i'll have to pick up that parts per million book i i wonder how often you switch books Obviously, for genres or for looking for different things, you would switch novels. But but I wonder if you want to, I guess, you'd have to play a lot probably to wear a novel out, to be honest. Or, you know, to, to where you start repeating things a lot. So it probably wouldn't matter. But I really enjoyed the episode. Looking forward to the next one. And, yeah, some great things going on here. So keep up the great work. Yeah, thanks, Jason. Uh, yeah, I... I think you're right. I think you would have to probably use a lot of a novel to really wear it out, but there's different ways of using it that, you know, maybe causes you to, to change earlier or later. Um, some people do what's called a cut up method, but you really need the computer for that. And so I, and I don't have the time to be bothered to do that. Um, but if, if anybody's interested, it's called cut up or, um, non authoring. Um, but yeah, and you can also read longer snippets. So like Geek Gamers typically on her YouTube channel reads longer snippets of the book to find something that sticks out. I've seen other people do that. I might give that a go at some point. I'm just so used to the word association tables from Mythic 
that for me, I'm just looking for just two words or, or, but you know, if something more catches my eye, it's not like a rule that I've made for myself. If something catches my eye, you know, I'll keep going. But, um, at that rate, yeah, I would have to have, I would probably have to go for a while, um, to really, to really use up a book. Uh, if you're trying to use like proper nouns to spark thing, you know, then you would, you would maybe run into that. Um, but uh, yeah, even just a handful of novels, uh, I, I think more or less you would switch if you wanted a different flavor, like thinking about different odds of, or different combinations of word being there. So for example, like the one I'm using right now is somewhat straight ahead science fiction. If there is such a thing as that, um, you know, it's, it's got a couple planets, some civilizations, sort of like uh, archeologist kind of thing going on, um, you know, so faster than light travel, uh, no fast and light communication, which is why I, th I think in my brain it clicked that maybe this would be a good fit. Um, so, you know, and there's some, there's some proper nouns in there, but it's otherwise fairly straightforward. Whereas if I were to use Dune, I'm going to get a lot of like a lot of made up words, for example, like, uh, Mentat and, um, uh, you know, and then, and then words that aren't used very often, but that are used in a specific way on there. Right. Um, uh, you know, so you you could certainly um, you know use that for that flavor like that. You know, you 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 know what the bounds of the book are going to give you what you're looking for. So like, um, you know, if I was using the Expanse, I know I'm going to get for the most part a very grounded set of words. Uh, Proto molecule might be the only exception really to that. Um, you know, but then if I were to use um, if I wanted specifically in a game, maybe more in a fantasy game, but if or you know if I was going for a certain kind of science fiction. And, you know, it was going for a different kind of horror than, you know, maybe you normally use something like, you know, some, some fantasy novel, but then maybe I would grab my like, um, complete, uh, HP Lovecraft if I wanted this, wanted a better chance of getting something more unsettling or something like that. So I, I think that's more or less why you would swap out books, but getting all the way through it or using it up is yeah, probably unlikely. Um, all right, next we're going to get into a, uh, another. Oops, accidentally stopped recording by accident. Um, next, we're getting into another caller. We're going to get to Carl Rodriguez uh, from the uh, Geomologist Presents podcast. Hey, James. This is Carl from the Geomologist Presents. And I'm really going to dive into your classic Traveler season three, I think. Um, I did want some clarification. Is that Nicola or Nicola? Nicola or Nicola? That's my... Brooklyn Nine-Nine reference. Hopefully you'll get it. Um, you're cooler if you do, but if you don't, well, it's kind of a niche show anyway. But um, I really enjoy Traveler. I've been wanting to get it to the table for a long time. I'm very psyched to be able to hear your how your solo play goes with your character uh, that you created. I did have a question about what you do with the dead characters. Do you put them in like a Deadpool and use them as NPCs or reference? For example, right, the first dead character you make, since he's a noble and similar physique to Nicola, maybe it's his dead brother. Yeah, I really wish that I was cool enough to get the Brooklyn Nine-Nine reference. I, I'm tangentially aware of it and seen have seen clips here and there. It just hasn't, I haven't gotten around to watching it yet. I've got a lot of friends who enjoy it. Um, like I still haven't finished community, so I'm, I'm behind the times, but, uh, yeah, I, I, am glad you're excited about traveler. I'm, I'm also stoked about it as far as what to do with the dead characters in general. Yeah, that's what I was planning on doing. And, but for some reason it slipped my mind, uh, with that first character, but honestly, uh, here's what I'm going to do. I, I really like that idea so much, but we'll see if, the, if Nicola, the player, you know, comes across it, but honestly, 
Uh, I'm just going to go with what you said because I think it's super cool. So it's officially canon now that that first that first dead character is Nicola's um, relative, uh, maybe brother, maybe um, you know, maybe from you know the the timing doesn't have to be roughly the same time. So maybe brother, some sort of relative of Nicola's, or maybe like a childhood friend. It's somebody. Uh, so the part is that it would be somebody he knows. Um, uh, there's definitely a connection there. It's maybe his brother. Uh, but if it, you know, it could be, I'm open to it being something else. Um, you know, he can, he could even think one thing and it is another, right. He could think it's, it's a friend, but it really was his brother. We can all, we didn't discover it as we play. I want to leave some mystery, but I love that idea. I'm going to do that. So, uh, I am in fact going to keep that character around and keep the character in mind. I'm going to write it down on sort of my sheet as a, uh, uh, dead brother or, um, so, and I'll, I'll make a note to myself that it was the, uh, um, uh, uh, death and character gen. Um, I love, I love that. That's really cool. Um, I I'm, yeah, I'm also super excited about, about, about traveler. The whole, the whole vibe of it is just really my thing. I'm, I'm going to get to your other calls. I just wanted to answer that part first. Um, but yes, definitely for anybody who's playing traveler, the book literally, it even recommends, uh, keep around the characters die and character creation. Basically your players have just made you NPCs. Um, I was being lazy about it last time because there's also example NPCs and I have a, a PDF, which I don't use a lot on the show, but anymore, but, um, uh, but I have a PDF of the, one of the supplements that's a thousand and one pre-generated characters. Um, but yeah, very, very cool. I, I didn't even pick up honestly on the, the noble connection. It didn't spark in my mind. So I love that you, you mentioned that because now for me, that's something that's, that's something that could pop up anytime. Yeah. So traveler, I mean, mongoose is really pushed the forefront um, of recent Traveler products with uh, especially the mega campaign Deep Night Revelation and then they've had Pirates of Drinax. They've really done, you know, redone a lot of the older classic works like Spinward Marchers campaign and Soleimani Rim and um, I, I really have so much Traveler stuff and I've had some great uh, campaigns and one shots. Uh, I will say I, I had a I had a space trucking campaign where the leader of the boat was a nobleman and they they had a yacht and they even got a uh, government mail contract which was hella cool. Um, I, it was he really I had a player who really got into the space trucking and the other really cool uh, traveler campaign that I did. And I guess I maybe this will give these will give you inspiration. I don't know. I'm. I just love talking about Traveler, really, and I am a war story guy since I've been gaming forever. The name of the yacht was called the Artemis Intrepid, um, and it was a, it was it was cool. It was really fun. I, I got to track down my notes and find out more about it. One of the coolest one shots I did is I did the um, in the in the second incarnation. I, you would call it Traveler Second Edition Mega Traveler. They had the Rebellion era where Emperor Strafon was assassinated in the fiction and I had I had like the players there in the palace when this happened and we had scouts and Imperial Marines Oslan diplomatic uh, corps guards um, they got to where I've always wanted to play a game where they had battle dress and use plasma weapons and uh, we got to do that and it was really freaking fun okay last message I promise so I, the last Traveler campaign I tried to do was actually using the Traveler D20 system. And I what I tried to do is run the Traveler Adventure, which I tried to do a couple times. And I always stall somewhere along the line. 
Uh, the farthest I got was when they got into the um, proxy war scenario, spoilers, sorry, um, where there is Varger mercenaries involved. And uh, it was it's a really good campaign. And I, I think I would try to do try to incorporate that like in a, to a space trucking traditional spinward marches campaign in the future. But definitely looking forward to your solo play, see how it goes, see how it, you know, pushes my traveler itch. And maybe I can, you know, convince my guys to get it to the table. I, d I already have a roll 20 ready, ready to go. So um, anyway, I love the stuff. Uh, thanks again, James. Yeah, thanks again, Carl. That's cool. I love the uh, the Traveler War stories because I don't I don't have any, and I'm still so new to the hobby. It's been about you know two and a half, maybe three years at this point um, in in the hobby. So uh, I, I love hearing all the the war stories and stuff like that. It lets me uh, live vicariously through your gaming. <laughs> no, I, I think that's really cool. You're right that like Mongoose has brought it really to the forefront. I mean, I probably wouldn't have heard about it unless you know I was looking for various podcasts and somebody mentioned. Um, and now I really wish I could remember the name of the podcast. I feel bad. I'll figure it out later and I'll put it in the show notes, but uh, where they were playing uh, Mongoose Traveler 2nd Edition. And I, and I fell off at some point, uh, not because of the quality of the podcast, but just because I, I got distracted or, you know, was probably on to uh, the next thing for whatever reason. But um, yeah, super cool. I, um, I, I, I've seen some of the stuff like that around, like the adventures you're talking about. Uh, adventures for me are never really going to like, I, I, am not yet capable mentally of understanding and this is no slight to anybody but i'm i'm i personally am un mentally incapable of figuring out how people run written adventures um i just like i don't i don't get it um it's something i'd love to figure out potentially at some point like i, I think we're playing through a written adventure in my star trek adventures game for which I'm, for which i'm a player uh and not a gm i'm almost always a gm um, which is fine. Uh, that, I think that's probably what I'm better at. Um, but, and so, you know, and I, I prep one session at a, at a time, sort of the rune hammer method only cause that's kind of what clicks with my brain. Um, so yeah, I, I haven't, I haven't cracked that nut yet, but I think it's cool that those things are out there and that there's all this like inspiring material out there. I just can't, like, I started reading through some of the adventures, um, in the traveler book, there's some example adventures and I, for whatever, it just doesn't grab me. Uh, and I get, I get kind of lost in there. Um, so I, I could mind it for ideas, but I, I don't know how I would get people through my, my players surprise me too much, I think to, uh, and I'm not clever enough to like get something to go on the tracks, like make enough of a sandbox that keeps people on the tracks without like railroading them. Um, I'm not saying that that you can't do that. Like, obviously you can, and people do do that. I just have no idea how people pull that off. Um, so, so the adventure stuff is, uh, specifically is a little bit lost on me, but, uh, but yeah, there's some like really cool, really cool materials. Hopefully, hopefully it lives up to your expectations. I, uh, you know, I'm a super noob in general, especially to traveler, like I said, and I, I don't have, um, that same, uh, that same sort of, you know, history with it. So I do know it's one game that's near and dear to a lot of people. So, my, um, my version is going to probably be a little different. Fortunately with classic traveler, because, you know, the original version didn't have the third Imperium setting. Hopefully it'll build up other people less than if I said I was playing, you know, Mongoose Traveler and then threw away the setting or um, I suppose not with Cepheus or Cepheus. That's kind of, the, that's kind of part and parcel with, uh, with Cepheus, um, which is another cool version. I do want to mention just in case anybody is interested, um, I haven't read too much about it yet. Um, and so I don't know a ton about it, but I want to put out um, a game that uh, Chris Wolf is working on. 
that I've seen around and see some stuff up, pop up for that I think is still in development. And then one, a game that I have played and have run at least in one shots that I think is worthy of a lot of attention. Um, so Chris Wolf has talked, uh, is an indie game, well, indie, I don't know, that's a term, I guess it's loaded, but he is a an RPG designer um, and, um, and in sort of the new school indie OSR sort of scene, whichever pick one um, that you prefer. Uh, and um, he made Offworlders, which is the game that I have played before, uh, which I can highly recommend. It's powered by the apocalypse, but it's really like World of Dungeons. So there's just the one move. So if you don't like the, if you're like, yeah, the 2D6 mechanic is fine but i don't like the different moves and yeah it does it works a little bit differently in offworlders and it's really good it's got a bunch of random tables that i might mine um later even in this game um that kind of has a similar ish feel to a certain kind of uh, traveler campaign um but he's working on another game i think called night tripper or night night trippers i think it's called night tripper um and it sounds like he's going for like a you know a take on uh, a game that mechanically doesn't match classic traveler but i think it's supposed to evoke that same sort of feeling and and, and you know the the influences listed are super cool like uh john harris paintings for example um stuff like that like you can't really go wrong with that <laughs> um so yeah glad you're excited glad to have you on board uh carl uh love the war stories and love the enthusiasm hopefully uh this season will uh be exciting for you we're going to get back into the session now. We are going to continue with the uh, parts per million um, oracle here. Uh, I could probably just save myself the trouble and print out like mainly this one table because um, the rest of it's advice and it's good. I do want to introduce here before we get to the other side of the fold, as it were, um, another mechanic. I am going to change the uh, the dice pool. It was just too swingy for me um, in the sense that like, yeah, it basically never happened until the very, very end. So I'm going to uh make it totally original not derived from anything mechanic um that definitely doesn't sound super super familiar to anybody who's played early versions of DD. i'm gonna have something like the chaos factor where um there's going to be sort of a default um that i'll check every once in a while and then there's going to be um things are going to be either more or less likely so the way i'm going to do this is every once in a while um when i feel like i should i'm going to roll a d6 this is separate from timers if there's something impending doom i'll have a timer um but uh otherwise uh, every once in a while i'll roll a d6 and if it's a one then then something something bad is going to happen there's going to be the, sort of the equivalent of a twist or a complication that i will um that i'll roll for uh if it seems less likely like things are less chaotic at the moment i'll roll um actually sorry i said i was going to do this differently so here's how i'm actually going to do it it's going to be a roll and it's going to be a six so I'm not going to do the total OSR thing and have it be a one. It's going to be, if it's a six, then there will be that event. If it's, uh, if it's more likely, um, then I will, um, change it so that it's either on a five or a six. And if it's less likely, I'll roll two D six. And then both of them will need to, um, come up. I, I might change it on the fly. I have been touring around this with the brain and just changing it all day. And so eventually I'm just going to do it and it'll just happen. And I don't know, maybe it'll just be, I always roll the 2d6 and they need to by default, um, you know, be five or six. And if it's more likely or less likely, I'll change those, but I don't know. I'll figure that out. But either way, I'm going to roll some d6s and just kind of do it more ad hoc, but I'm not going to do the pool, uh, in the same way, but I am going to have the concept of more or less chaos. I also could save myself a lot of trouble and just use, um, uh, Ray Otis's uh, Oracle, but since I'm, I'm using this different Oracle for now, I'm gonna, not going to do that. But I just recommend, honestly, you should, everybody should just use Ray Otis's The Oracle. It's really good. It's free. Um, you can, it's a pocket mod. You can fill it up real small, and it basically works like um, like Mythic, but uh, lighter weight. 
So it's awesome. All right, into the episode. Well, they've stepped in it now. They are trapped. Uh, Nikola Bratislav and his party are trapped. The uh, docking clamps are on the ship. They're going to have to find a way out of here. There are these um, xenophobic artificial life forms that have, are controlling the station. Their situation is dire. They've got to find a way out of here. Um, I think uh, Nikola looks kind of at the rest of the crew um, and they kind of look at each other flabbergasted for a second. And then I think Nikola speaks up and says, we need to get out of this, out of this bay where we can be quickly observed. We need, observed, we need to, we need to find a way out of the station. Even if we don't have the ship yet, we can always try to circle back. But we first, we need to find a way out of where we can be more easily controlled. So they're going to look around. They're going to see what they need to find. Um, do they, you know, do they see any obvious openings to that you know that seem less uh less well lit maybe some like jeffrey's tubes or access corridors or anything like that um do they see anything like that i'm gonna say 50 50 i don't know uh four so no they don't see any obvious access points so they're gonna have to um they're gonna have to make do with uh one of the more well lit paths um so they start running down uh, running down to see where, where they can find as this thing start to branch out. I could have made a location crafter thing for this, but I'm trying to keep things lightweight. So I want, what I do want to see, um, one is, uh, is what they find. And then two, I'm going to say things are very chaotic. And so we're going to get our first look at the sort of my, my sort of chaos mechanic here. Um, as they're, they're running down, they, they're, you know, sort of the well-lit corridors. I think, again, things look fairly, um, fairly sterile, well-kept, you know, small things, carts moving here or there. Maybe they'll see, they'll find a cart in a second, and maybe they'll see a cart and they can follow it and see where it goes. Um, but we're gonna get sort of into our chaos mechanic. I'm gonna say that chaos is more likely at the moment, um, and so they're gonna have this uh, sort of this chaotic encounter, this complication right off the bat. Um, they'll run into something or someone uh, if um, I roll a. Um, I'm gonna roll this 2d6, and um, if both of them are uh, above five, if both dice are above a uh, five, then um, then they'll run into something. Um, no, okay. So one of them is a six, one of them is a three. So they don't run anything yet. I think if it was super likely, I would say we'll, we'll tweak that. We'll tweak that mechanic as we go along because I'm just making it up. Um, Cool. So they're running through. They don't see anything like that. I need to know if they see one of these carts, if they can follow that. Um, otherwise, they'll, they'll follow something else that I'll, I'll roll for to see, or I'll look in the book to see what they find. Um, do they find one of these carts to follow along with? Uh, I get a 10. Uh, so yes, and. Um, so they find one of the carts, and I'm going to say the and is that it's a sort of a cargo container. Um, so they, they follow along with it. It is big enough to fit them. Uh, and, and the reason they, it matters is, you know, they are giving up some control to jump into whatever this container is, but they feel like they have to, because they, they have to be uh, hopefully less accessible, hoping that they're not going to be, you know, the, uh, the, you know, since the people who own this place also control all the cards, hopefully they don't know exactly where they are, they're not being tracked exactly. 
um, you have to jump in this cart because it goes through this little corridor and it, there's literally no room to fit except for this little like automated cart thing. So I'm thinking like shiny looking mine cart sort of a thing. So they jump in the top, um, kind of smush themselves in, uh, and they're pushed in through uh, what is probably industrial machinery. I don't know what it's like in there. I'm going to flip to a random page of the book and kind of pick, uh, pick some words that stick out. Uh, so we see, you know, and I'll, my, my eyes will scan by a bunch of stuff that I just filter out right away. I'm like, no. Um, scheming, uh, aquatic. Scheming, aquatic are two words that sort of, sort of stuck out to me first. Um, so I think in that case, what that means is we know that this planet is primarily, we said like 80 plus percent water. Um, and scheming, uh, perhaps there's like, uh, this base extends far underground. You know what? I'm going to say that's what it is. Um. So it's not so much a minecart per se, but this facility, which looks like it's only on this little piece of land, it doesn't, you know, it looks big, but it looks like it's mainly on the land. It turns out that's not entirely the case. There's at least an under, underwater element to this, as this, this cart starts to descend deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, and eventually they can see because there's like, you know, tubes with a glass or a Star Trek invisible aluminum. But this isn't Star Trek, so it's really thick glass or plastic of some sort, plexiglass maybe. Um, as they descend, they can see outside, they can see into the seas, um, this, this complex. I need to know, does it descend super, super deep? Or is it, like, is there just a shallow, in, in the somewhat of the shallows, you know, only, you know, 50 to 100 feet down? <laughs> Which is still pretty far down, but, um... If that, is that where the, the, it extends? So I think it's unlikely that it's a super, super, super deep and sprawling, um, you know, nest of, of places, but maybe it is. Uh, I'm gonna say it's unlikely, 2d6 here. We get uh, seven minus two, uh, so no, um, it's, it's the shallower version. So the gun, there's this little area, maybe it's a little observational uh, kind of unit. Uh, the cart eventually comes out into another chamber um, we're gonna roll our sort of our, our drama dice here, um, and I'm gonna roll these 2d6, and if both of them are, um, are above five, we'll say. Okay, nope, one, one was a five, one was a two. Uh, so they don't see anything yet. Um, okay, so they, they come down, they see this still sterile looking, more metally looking. I think it's even less presentational before, so I, I think it's probably more industrial looking, uh, which kind of fits with the background music as well. I do listen to that sometimes while I'm playing. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's uncomfortable though down here because I think, well, actually that's a good question. Is it, is it, it's in more industrial in a sense, but is it, is it primarily storage or is there some sort of manufacturing? That's really what I want to know. Is there some sort of manufacturing? Uh, I don't know, 50-50. Uh, seven. Uh, which is a complication. So, it's gonna render the question, uh, irrelevant. And I, th I think the reason is, is that, um, it's not a matter of is it storage or is it manufacturing. Um, I think it's, they don't, they don't recognize the answer yet, for one. They don't recognize what this is that they're looking at, because I think it's very foreign and alien. I think this is a huge room filled with just tons of stuff. There's no, they can't hardly see anything. It's just so full of stuff for one. Secondly, because we did roll a complication, I think that they also uh, potentially hear the sounds of, um, or suspect that there may be some of these, some of these uh, androids or automatons, we'll call them androids, uh, around. 
So here's what we're gonna do. There's no rules for stealth in Classic Traveler. And I have heard uh, a really cool idea for like, yeah, no, you don't need that because you've already got the surprise mechanic. Um, and so that's what we're gonna that's what we're gonna do here, I think. So we're gonna use some of the surprise mechanics uh, like from combat, and, and if they are just if each are surprised or or the party is not discovered rather rather excuse me, then we won't have um, any sort of uh, encounter. So that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pull it up uh, and I'll just so I can read it real quick. It's actually very simple, but I just want to get it right for one and explain it for everybody else. Um, so the way that um, you have a surprise throw each. Um, you roll one die for each party and you apply these various DMs, these dice modifiers. If one roll is three more than the opponent, then the higher roll has surprise. Um, there's all kinds of DMs for, um, you know, wearing battle dress or having a leader skill, um, having tactical skill, military experience, anything like that. Um, yeah, there's all kinds of, you know, different group sizes and whatever that can, um, that can affect this. There's also the different kinds of terrain. So. Um, that's what we're gonna kind of do here. So we're gonna say that this party has somebody who has a leader skill. We're just gonna say that uh, the person, the person who's in charge, the sort of the captain type, um, has a leader skill, so that gives a plus one of their rolls. Um, uh, what we need to know is how many of the opposition are in here. Um, do they have eight or more um, in order to get the get the bonus there uh, to eight or more people? I'm gonna say it's very unlikely that there's that many in this sort of tighter space. Um, so ten minus minus four for that mod, which does bring it down to uh, six, which is good, which is good for the party here. So yeah, though there's not that many, but we will say it's on the edge. So there are six, we'll say. There are six of them roaming about. That's which is not great for the party here. Um, excuse my tea glass. Uh, clanking. Okay, so we've got that. Um, uh, we also need to know if anybody in the party here has any sort of uh, military experience while I throw around my dice um, wildly with reckless abandon and drop them everywhere. Um, do they have any military experience? Uh, we'll say 50 50, I don't know. Uh, seven. So there's sort of a complication. I think that some of them have probably military experience. Um, but they had maybe desk jobs, so we'll just say that it's 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 not going to come into play. So we're just going to say it is, it's kind of a no, and yes and no is how I'm going to read that there. Okay, we're also in a building interior, um, which is a minus five, but that's sort of uh, oh that's for the counter range anyways. But anyways, because both both parties would would have that. Um, so yeah, that's what we're going to do is basically if if either party um, or if the other party uh, basically while they try to sneak around, if the enemy would get surprise on them, or they would lose their surprise, rather. That's when we'll have the encounter, when they would lose their surprise. Okay, so we don't need stealth, we're just gonna use surprise. So here's here's the first thing. So the party is gonna go, uh, it's gonna go first. Um, as they're trying to sneak through, they look through these various corridors with this, for them, unintelligible machinery moving about. Some of it is still, some of it's moving. Um, it's all disconcerting, and it's pro the problem is that it's the movements are so complicated, it's hard for them to predict, which you know, it's a bit of a hazard for them as well. Um, so they're going to get a total of uh, a plus one because of the uh, the leader skill here. Okay, they rolled a four, which is not great. Um, and we're just going to say that the, the the enemy here or the the androids have even money, so they got to roll. Um, the party really has to, they have to they need them to roll a one, otherwise they're going to be discovered pretty soon here. Oh, okay, six. 
Uh, fortunately, since the party did have a four, um, it's not three over, so they did, they haven't surprised the party, which is really fortunate. Um, but we are going to have a bit of an encounter here, um, so we're going to we're going to do the encounter range. So we got to establish how far away they are, and there's a table for that. Uh, so two dice, we're going to use that, and it's a building interior um, slash cave. You know, both of those have a minus five to this roll. Um, the smaller the number is going to be the shorter the range. There's a table for this, so let's see the roll. Let's say five minus five says zero, um, so which is basically short range. So all of a sudden, however many androids are going to jump right out of nowhere. Okay, that's no good. Um, we need to know how many there are, uh, and just for the purposes of not killing everybody at first, here's what we're going to do: um, is we are going to have. I'm going to roll a, a d6, but I'm going to make it a d3 roll, and that's how many of these androids are going to pop out all at once. Ah, uh, five. Okay, which means that we're going to have three of them pop out. And I think that, you know, we have a party, I think, of four, I determined. Uh, in my head, I just, PCs are just always sixes for stats across the board. They almost never factor in um, with the sixes, so it's just, it's just easier for me to track them that way. Kind of like extras in Savage Worlds. So that's how we're going to roll with it. We do know that the, uh, the leader has a tactical skill, uh, or a leader skill, rather, if that pops up. Okay, so we're going to get to our first combat right off the bat here. Not great for the party, but it's just the dice don't lie, and that's what they've said. So... Um, it's not like immediate, by the way, like they were sneaking through for like what feels like hours, but it was really probably several minutes, and then all of a sudden these androids pop out. Um, neither is surprised, they heard them coming, and so they're able to get prepare. So, here's sort of how combat works. It's a little bit different than in some other games. There's not really initiative, um, because combat rounds are simultaneous, um, always. So there's no, there's no real need, unless there's some specific reason, you know, for surprise why that wouldn't be the case. So, um, yeah, we're going to get into the combat here. Uh, we're just going to give uh, all of the NPCs basically the same, the same weapons that, um, roughly speaking, that Sir Nicola has. Um, or actually, I'm just probably going to give them all auto pistols. Nicola has a, uh, a carbine. Okay. Now, this game is, this, this game is the game of tables, uh, but I love it. Uh, I think it's fun. So yeah, basically, we already determined which party has a prize, we already determined the counter range, um, so we need to do, uh, there's escape or avoidance, um, but they're not outnumbered, so they're not going to do that. So now, individual movement status, and then you do uh, targets and attacks, attacker DMs, defender DMs, attack succeeds, uh, you determine wounds, then you roll for morale, then you go to a new round, so it's, it's real quick. Now I want to describe it that way, but it's real quick. So we're going to have, Nicola's going to take a shot at one of them. Uh, the androids, we are just going to give, uh, basically, um, they are stronger than us, I think. For physical characteristics, probably just gonna, I'm going to give them eights across the board. Um, it's just going to be easier to track them that way. Uh, and there's, there are three of them. And there are four of us, we are sixes. Well, the, the other three on my party are sixes, not, I'm not. Okay. So Nicola is going to take a shot. He has a carbine, and he has, uh, let's see, he has the dexterity of five, which isn't great, but with the carbine, um, that is uh, not going to incur any sort of a penalty, which is why he has it. Uh, so he's going to roll, he has to roll an eight plus. Now I'm going to look to see real quick if there are any other um, modifiers I really need to be aware of. As far as armor for the androids, um, for for these right here, 
Um, in this manufacturing area, we are just going to say basically that they have the equivalent of sort of the same, uh, you know, we're, we're just going to say that they basically don't have, uh, or they have jack, maybe, jack armor, which sounds like it's nothing, but really just means they have like a leather something or other. It's not much, but it's, it's something. And that'll just sort of be their, their natural armor. Okay, so he's going to um, take a shot now. How does short range maybe affect this? Um, this is really, I've only run this a few times um, off the air. So I don't think uh, range is really gonna um, cause a problem here. Somebody can correct me. Everything's always harder on the air. So we're just gonna say range isn't a factor for him. He's gonna shoot, he has no positive DMs. Oh, here's the range, it's, it's all on this nice table. See, tables are where it's at. Okay, so he's got a carbine and he's shooting um, at uh, jack armor, so that gives him a plus two against that, and it's at uh, short range, which we determined, which gives a plus one. So he gets a total of plus three to roll, and he needs to roll over an eight. Okay, over an eight, uh, with a total of plus three, Rolls a total of nine, which is great. So that is going to be a hit. All right. Okay. So now uh, we need to do damage, and so the carbine does three damage. So th or three dice, rather. Uh, and it's going to roll off the characteristics. So we'll kind of show how that works. So basically, damage comes off of your your combination of your strength, dexterity, and endurance. You sort of take wounds to them. They all originally have to go to one of them, and each time there's a hit, it has to go to one of them. If one of those goes all the way down, um, then the character is incapacitated. Uh, if it goes to two, or they're basically taken out of the fight. Um, if it's they're incapacitated, if they're two, they're unconscious and um, dying. If it's three, then they're just outright dead. Like two of them, you'd need major surgery later. Um, three of them, you're just straight up dead. Okay, we're rolling 3d6 here. See what damage this one takes. Uh, not a great roll, that's six. Um, so it's enough to bring one of the androids, uh, we'll just say strength, down to two. That's no good, but it is what it is. All right, one of the other, um, one of the others is gonna take a shot. They're, I'm just gonna, for simplicity's sake, they're gonna all have automatic pistols. They're shooting against Jack, which is a plus one, short range, which is plus two. So they all have plus threes as well. And so they need to roll eight plus. So one's gonna shoot at the same one. Uh, yeah, that's definitely a hit. Um, let's see, auto pistols do uh, three dice for damage. Okay, that is plenty to, so let's see, that is uh, five ten. So that's enough to bring that and another characteristic down. So one of them, uh, so Nicola shoots at the one android, hits it, it, it's starting to definitely take damage. It's still kind of in the fight, starts sparking. Another one is shooting it and, and completely lights it up. Um, it's just, it is no longer functional. Now it's, remember, it's, the round is simultaneous, so it still gets a, its chance to do the thing while that's happening. Uh, but we're just gonna keep moving on with this side. Um, so another one is gonna take a shot at another one of them. They have a total of plus three, we said. Uh, just enough to hit, that's eight. Uh, and that, uh, that person does. Ah, not great. Really only same six damage. It's not great. Uh, and the last one is going to take, uh, on on the PC side, is going to take a shot at the same one to try to take it out. Uh, total of plus three to the roll. Uh, seven, that is, or sorry, um, uh, nine, that is going to be enough. And they do seven, eight damage, which is enough to bring the one characteristic down and the other one down severely, so able to take it out. 
Okay. Now, uh, we need to see who these androids are going to attack on. Um, I'm going to roll um, and see if they, if any of, I'm going to roll 3d6, however many come up, uh, let's see, we've got four of us, three of them. However many come up sixes is how many are going to attack Nikola directly. There is one six in here, one attack on Nikola, and then two attacks on other um, other NPCs. Okay, um, we are gonna say, you know, here's a question: Are they um, are they in melee range, uh, or are they gonna attack with melee? Like, are they armed uh, in any sort of way? I'm gonna say it's actually unlikely that they have firearms. Um, it's unlikely. Uh, so yeah, no, they don't. They don't have firearms. So and actually, it's um, that brings it down to a three. So it's no and. Um, so these ones that popped out here, they are um, not only that, but they are basically completely unarmed. Their arms are not strong enough to count as as any sort of a weapon. So it's just hands uh, for them. Okay, so one of them is going to come up and try to hit Nikola for sure. Uh, it's hands versus um, Nikola does not have any sort of armor. Uh, so hands against nothing, which is a plus one. It's at short range, which is another plus one. So a total pl a plus two to the roll. Oof, okay. Yeah, that's gonna be enough to hit. Uh, and hands do one die of damage. Okay, so only one damage um, to, um, to Sir Nicola's strength. So I'm gonna write down sort of his overall attributes and not hexadecimal, so it's easier for me to track. Um, so he's currently at nine strength. So he gets he gets hit and it hurts, but it's not that bad. Just, okay, uh, one of the other ones is going to try to punch one of the um, one of the other of the party. Nope, the, one of that one misses. Another one's going to try to attack a, a, a third soldier, uh, and that one is going to hit for ooh five damage. So deals a serious blow to one of the NPCs. Okay. Uh, I think was there what was there one more? No, I think that was it. So that uh, that is the end of that round. We move on to the next round. It's simultaneous. Um, we need to uh, let's see. So after the end of that round, two of them were taken out. Um, so for sure, uh, we need to roll some morale. There is a morale check in here. It says every com combat round, once twenty five percent of a party has become unconscious or has been killed, throw seven plus for the group to stand or not to flee. Um, and really they don't have anything of the, any of the, uh, pluses or minuses that would, uh, take into account here. Cause I don't think that one, that one that's out was a, a leader or anything like that. So I think it's just even. Um, so they need to roll a seven or more to stay, uh, stay in the fight. Yep. It's an, it's a nine. So they, uh, this, this last one is going to stand and fight. We're going to go with Nicola's shot first. Um, and yeah, he's going to take a shot with his... Uh, with his carbine, uh, and he had a total of plus three with all the when all is said and done in this situation. Uh, that is going to be plenty. That's going to be ten total, uh, and so he does three dice worth of damage. This one had not sustained any damage before. Let's see, six, ten, thirteen is enough to definitely knock it unconscious and to do significant damage um, enough. So he takes a shot. That one's going to be out. Um, one of the uh, others would definitely be able to, at that point, shoot and completely take it out. I need to know um, if it attacks Nikola, if it rolls a five or six on this d6, it's going to attack Nikola. Yep, five. So it attacks Nikola with hands. Total of plus two to the roll. That is a ten. That's enough. And it does... Ooh, three damage. Okay. 
Nikola is down to um, is down to six on his strength, so not great, not terrible. Uh, but the, at that point, the combat is over. He takes that that killing blow, um, and then they go spend another shot or two um, on the. Uh, was, take the auto pistols and take another shot or two on the robot. So, um, really, just two shots expended here by Nikola. So he's got 18 rounds left. Okay. Whew. Yeah, combat tends to be quick, or as far as I can tell, anyways, tends to be quick and deadly. The simultaneous thing. Um, I, I took a little bit longer to explain the combat this time. When you're when you're not explaining it on the air, it just goes like that. It's crazy. Um, wow. I think they like they take a breath. Like, well, they they're definitely gonna know we're here now. Uh, that was well, it wasn't quiet. Um, yeah. So they're probably there's probably some sort of alert to their presence. Um. What do they need? What do they see around them? They need to find hopefully some other way uh, of, of something. Maybe they can find a way to the surface. But what do they see around them? I'm gonna look, look flip in the book. Uh, let's see. Bigger orbiting uh, energy. Bigger orbiting energy. I think what that means is that there's like a basically like a, a centrifuge-looking thing that looks like it's part of some sort of a power plant, like something that goes around real quick. Um, and there's obviously some. It's obviously some part, part of some sort of um, power system. Uh, I think one of them is, uh, says, um, well, we could, we could try to disable them. Uh, yeah, but if we disable them now, uh, hmm. The, I'm assuming the androids still have enough power, and then, but they, and they, they probably would, you know, we can't see in the dark, we've probably only got so much, they probably have flashlights or something, but we're only gonna have our own batteries that are gonna only gonna last so long. We need to get out of here, and frankly, we're gonna maybe need need to be able to use some of these systems as doors. I think that's that's premature. Maybe we could use it as a bargaining chip, but I don't know that we're really going to have the upper hand there. I think somebody says, um, well, if the power system's here, maybe there's a computer that'll allow us to find a way out. Maybe there's some sort of, like, uh, water pods or something that we can use to escape back up to the surface, or, or some other tunnel that we can find, but we need to find more information because right now, uh, I think this is Nikola talking, right now, they're the ones holding all the information on all the cards. We need to even the playing field here. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you're right. I think you're right, Nikola. Um, so they really handle that. I'm gonna bring the, the uh, bring the chaos back down to normal. Um, so here's here's in fact how I'm going to um, do it. So we're gonna do the same thing. Two d six. If it's uh, if both of them are above um, uh, a five, we'll say. We'll say that's the default. If it's less likely, we'll say they both have to be six sixes, which is very unlikely, or fairly unlikely. Um, and if it's a higher chance than normal, they both need to be above a four. So that's just how we're gonna do it. I don't know what the odds are. Somebody knows the math already. I don't know that. I'm just going with it. All right, two dice, two d six. If both are above fives, nope. All right. So uh, they roll on. They do find. Uh, we'll just say that they do find. Well, it's. I'll say it's very likely. We'll ask the oracle. Do they find a computer terminal? Um, that they can use. We'll say it's very likely, which adds plus four to the oracle here, which makes our total here a nine, which is yes. No and, but yes. So they do find a computer here. Um, and uh, again, Nikola doesn't have a computer skill. Uh, and I don't, I'm not gonna give him, I, normally I would give him because he was already in it before. I would give him, well, let's see. I would probably give him a plus one or a plus two. Um, 
or even a plus three because he already had a program in there. Um, but it seemed like they let him do that. Um, it seems like maybe they, they let him do that on purpose. So I'm gonna give him a, a plus one just because he's seen this system before. But I'm not gonna give him more than that because I think that, you know, I think that they gave him a curveball there and they weren't on to them before. Okay, so we're gonna get into our computer's check here uh, that Nikola is gonna do. Um, I'll give him, I think, maybe situationally. Well, we need to know, does anybody else have any sort of expertise with computers in this in this crew? Because um, Nikola doesn't have any, for sure. Um, I don't know, 50-50. 12, yes, and. Um, yes, actually, the um, one of the other NPCs is actually um, uh, something of a computer expert. He has, a, he has the skill. Um, so we're gonna say he has computers one. Uh, and I'll just say that he's aiding, he's kind of backseat driving here, so we'll give Nikola a plus one for, for that. Um, just on that rolling for the NPC. Um, okay, so Nikola's doing this, he saw the computer system before, this other guy's helping him now, that gives him a plus one, plus one for being in there, a total of plus two to the roll. Um, if it's exactly seven, there'll be a fatal error. Uh, all right, so I rolled an 11, which is already plenty, uh, plus two is, is just, just tons. So what are they able to find? Um, one, are they able to find some sort of like a escape water pod thing, 50-50? Eight, yes, they're able to find that. What else about it are they able to, or what else are they able to find about it? With such a good roll, I'm gonna flip in the book and see what else they find. They find optimism, planetary. Okay, I think that means that, um, Okay, Optimism Planetary, I think I know what this means. From before we talked about how they've used and enhanced something about this planet in order to hide their uh, existence. It looks like this water pod, um, something about the waters here, the deep waters here, um, and this part of the planet gives them a bit of hope because uh, it should also shield them. Uh, and so it should obscure the systems for this smaller escape pod. Uh, it sh should obscure the systems enough that they can escape without these androids knowing exactly where they're gone. They'll know escape pod's gone, they'll know the same information as the party, but they won't be able to find their exact whereabouts. That could potentially be huge. Huge for this whole thing. Okay. Um, yeah, so we are gonna have to, um, move through. It's gonna be pretty likely that they'll be attacked again. Um, so, uh, over, over time I'm gonna roll 2d6 for each kind of room and we'll see, uh, when they reach the end and then, um, uh, and then if they encounter any other androids. So, first we need to know, um, you know, are they able to, um, well how many rounds is it gonna take? I'm gonna roll basically a d3. It's gonna take two. Two basically of these rounds, two of these checks. Uh, it's pretty likely that these androids are gonna show up, so, I'm gonna say it's um, on these sort of my chaos sort of thing here. I'm gonna roll 2d6, and if they're both at, uh, both dice are at least a four. First check. Nope. They're, they don't counter anything. They, they roll through. They probably hear some at a distance. They stay still. They kind of move through the machines, trying not to take it. a super predictable route straight there. They're trying to meander as much as possible, but without wasting a lot of time. Okay. In the second leg, do they encounter any androids? Yes, they do. I rolled a five and a six on those dice. They do encounter them. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to end in combat, but it's pretty likely at this point. But let's get back into our, our tables of tables. I love tables. Tables are so good. First surprise. Um, 
we're gonna use the recommended DMs here and I might make up some custom ones. I'd feel no problem in doing that because that's what this whole game is about. Okay, um, so we do have one somebody on our side with a leader skill that gives us a plus one. Um, no members are in a vehicle, so yeah, I think, um, yeah, it's gonna be plus one for our party and plus nothing for them. So the party, surprise, is on a five total. The androids are on a four, so neither side um, neither side is surprised. They are both aware of each other's uh, presence. So uh, they are inside. That is a minus five to the terrain DM. What is the encounter range here? Uh, four. So yeah, negative one. Geez. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna call it short range, uh, which is probably what it's supposed to be last time. So they basically like again they pop out of nowhere. Um, they hear each other coming around the corner, um, and they, they're basically in melee range. I think we can assume at this point that Nikola has already pulled out uh, his carbine. Um, so, yeah, we're going to get into this. Now, um, I think that we're going to give the one last chance to see um, uh, if they can sort of negotiate with him in any way. They're going to... Um, we're just going to use this as a morale check just to see if it's successful. That's how we're going to do this. Um, because there's no there's no skill really that that's going to factor in here. I think Nikola says, "Look, we don't want we don't want to have to have this land and blows. This is before they get quite in range. Uh, land and blows. All we want to do is we want to get out of here. We won't tell anybody to your existence. We just we don't we don't want anything from you. It, it, our our goals are incompatible. Seems, but it doesn't mean that we have to. Um, you know, your secret's safe with us. I don't think he's doing a very good uh, a good job at this. I mean." Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think this negotiating is going to go very well here. So we're going to make a morale check. Um, they're going to have to... The androids, if they roll a 7-plus in general, um, they would have to roll, but I think because we've already, they've already fought... Some, or because they don't have... Um, we're going to do the opposite of if, uh, if the leaders unconscious are dead. I think they have maybe a leader bot here, so that'll give, we'll give them a plus 2. They need to roll a five or higher, basically, and they roll a five. So it is going to be some combat. They, they just say, um, this is impossible. And we're back into some combat. Okay, now that I don't have to explain it, we're going to move real fast. Uh, at this point, um, Nikola is going to try to, uh, we're just going to say again that there are three of them. Well, actually, are there going to be more or less? Are there more? 50-50. I don't know. Uh, five. That is a no, I believe. Five is a no, yeah. So there are not more of them, um, uh, but it was an and, so that's not less either. So it's exactly the same number. There are three of them. We're going to, again, give them eights. And our party is still sixes. Okay. So, uh, yeah, Nikola is going to try to slash at one. He, he's already pulled out his blade, um, which he does have a blade skill. Uh, and he has, in general, he has a strength that is um, 10, but he has sustained damage to his uh, strength, which is at the moment only a six because he's taken some damage here. So you can see that there's kind of a, you can kind of have like a death spiral. Who doesn't love a good old fashioned death spiral? Okay, and they're in short range anyway. So he's got um, his blade, uh, which is um, against jack armor. So it's a zero bonus there. It's at close range. Uh, he'll probably move to short range, which he can do. Um, so he's going to move backwards a little bit as he slashes at one, which gives him a plus two. So a total of plus two to the roll. Um, and let's make sure that if he is 
got the required strength. Required strength for a blade is only four. Um, so he's fine there. He doesn't have any advantage there, but he um, only has a four there. Okay. So he gets a total of plus two to the roll, plus his skill of one. So a total of plus three to the roll. Oh, wow. He rolled terribly. So that's a three plus three. That's only a six. Um, so it's not enough to land a blow. He whiffs. It's real bad. Okay. Uh, one of the other party, uh, so we've got the other uh, four party members are going to take shots. They Only one of them had taken one damage to their uh, dexterity. Um, let's see. They've got auto pistols. I think they also move back to short range. Uh, so we're going to have them shoot. Uh, they're all using auto pistols against Jack. Uh, let's see. Auto pistol Jack plus one. Uh, we'll say, well, actually, if they stay at close range, they have even better... Or no, yeah, they move back to short range to give them a plus two, so they get a plus three to the roll, each of them. Okay, one of them totally whiffs. Another one hits. The last one, uh, let's see, with a plus three, that's still not enough. Uh, so only one of them hits. Wow, that's terrible. Uh, and they do 3D, uh, three, dam uh, three dice damage. They do... Let's see, seven, nine, nine damage. So there, it's enough to take one of them out. Because um, that rolls over as well. Okay, that's enough to take one of them out. Okay, I'm gonna roll, we've got three. I'm gonna roll 3d6, and if any are sixes, that, that one's gonna attack Nicola. No sixes. Uh, and two of them are, are gonna attack the same NPC. Okay, which we're just gonna say is the leader. They are using hands um, against nothing armor, so it's plus one. Uh, they'll probably move back up to close range, or they'll, they'll probably attack at the beginning before the other party, move, uh, the party moves, so plus two, so that's a total of plus three to the roll. Against the captain, that is uh, enough, that's a nine. Next one, that one is not enough, that one misses. The last one attacking a different party member, ah, plus three to the roll, also whiffs, so uh, just the one. It's the captain for one die damage. Ooh, four though. Captain is not doing great. He's down to one on his strength. He's still conscious, but barely, barely hanging on to consciousness. Okay, we are in the next round. I think um, we need to know if that one that was taken out was um, a leader, because I did give them a leader bonus. Um, we'll just roll a d6, and if it's a if it's a full five or six, because there were three of them. If it's a five or six, it was the leader. Nope, it was not the leader. Okay. So we're gonna make them uh, make a morale check though, because t over 25% has become unconscious. You need to roll a seven plus, uh, and the odds are even here. <laughs> odds are even. Uh, yeah, no, they rolled a four. So they um, they see this uh, as they're they're not only outnumbered, uh, but one of the one of the bots has been taken out. The android uh, orders a withdrawal, which should make the party feel better, but it, I don't think they feel better. <laughs> I think they feel that there's something worse that they're missing. However, that was the last obstacle. They are able to make it to, um, to sort of this escape pod. They saw the power. Um, uh, is it is it already powered up? I would say it's very likely. Otherwise, they wouldn't have even gone this way uh, with this plan. Well, I'll just say it's likely, not very likely. Plus two to the roll. That is a total of six, uh, which is no actually. So, um, yeah. So it's not powered up at the moment. Um, do, do they see some sort of a switch they can in the immediate vicinity they can switch on 50-50 five no there's it's not it's not immediately here ah uh, they're like dang it uh, there's no power to this thing uh, 
Nicholas, you're, uh... There's no chance that your program was gonna flip the power, right? No, to be honest, I... I forgot to check. <sighs> Dang it. Uh, alright, so they're gonna have to look around and see, um... If they can find any way to restore, uh, power. There's no, like, immediate switch, um, or any evidence of where they need to go. I'm gonna flip in the book and see what they see around them. They see functions, um... Windows. <laughs> functions windows. Well, some people agree, well, disagree that those words belong together. Um, uh, but yeah, functions windows. I think that they see. Um, okay, yeah, they can see into it. There's an adjacent room that would have those controls, though. It's but it's it's um, across like a, a pretty lar pretty long hallway. But they can see in through the window. They're like down there. Um, so you have to rush. Things are still chaotic. I'm gonna do my encounter roll again. Uh, I just need to be both dice need to be higher than uh, fours for to be an encounter. Nope, snake eyes. So they don't encounter anybody. Um, they're able to uh, flip the power on to the to the ship. Now they're gonna have to do the same thing to get back though, because they've dallied. So is there an encounter on the way back? Fives. Yeah, both fives. Okay. So there is an encounter. I'm gonna look in the book to see what kind of encounter, because I don't want it to be exactly the same kind of a thing. Okay. They encounter, because it doesn't have to be an enemy encounter necessarily. What they encounter is intended avenues. Intended avenues, let's find something else to associate with that as well. Intended avenues, modicum, hmm, modicum, initiative. Intended, let's see, modicum of initiative. Yeah, I think the encounter is, um, oh, this is what it is too, it's so unsettling. Um, like, I think that the androids are basically trying to, whether it's true or not, we don't know, but they're trying to play off of this, that this is totally fine with them, and that this is kind of what they were intending for them the whole time. Um, it's either a really calculated deception or they have something else up their sleeves. Either one doesn't feel very reassuring. You are welcome to help yourself to our, or to our pod. If that is what you so wish, if this is what you, if this is what you think is best, well, help yourself. Our underwater escape pod is your underwater escape pod. Uh, that's so creepy. So when they know where they are and what they're doing, and they let them do it. Oh no, I don't like that. Why do they do that? Ah, uh, so they're like creeped out. They get back. The power is restored. Oh man. Okay, yeah, they take the escape pod, um, they jettison off and like, basically it's like a torpedo tube that basically shoots this like submersible kind of a thing. It's not, it's not very big, it's just, it's just big enough really for them. They have sort of some semblance of controls here, and it shoots them, um, does it shoot them above or below the water? I think it's gonna shoot them above, so we'll say that, um, it's likely it shoots them above the, like, to the surface of the water. So it's likely plus two to the roll, uh, which is, yeah, it's well over, so yes and. Oh, yes and. Okay, so the capsule shoots them up and out of the water, but it also can fly. It has some sort of, uh, some sort of air propulsion as well. Oh, weird. I think they're also unsettled by this. I don't think they were expecting this. I think they were just trying to, to land it. Now, here's what I, here's what we really need to know. We need to know two things. One, what it's doing, and then two, my immediate question is, do they actually have control of this thing, or is it completely automated? 
man, do they have control? I'm gonna say 50-50. Uh, that's a six, no. No, they don't have control. This thing is automated. This escape pod is automated. It's flying through the air right now after shooting out of the water. Here's the real question. Where in the heck is this thing going? We're gonna use the book for this. We're gonna go, um, archeology, span development. Uh, oh, and then I saw the word center of the universe. So I'm gonna keep that to you. Archeology, span development, center of the universe. Oh, okay. Oh, I don't, oh man. All of a sudden the escape pod continues to fly through the air and uh, I think I know what this is. It basically flies them to this, all of a sudden the, like a voice comes through the intercom. I'm glad that you have decided to take the scenic tour. Now we can show you a few things about history. History is, at least was, a human pursuit. One that was favored by some and ignored by others, but which ultimately proved unsuccessful at educating humans on their effect on those around them. Let us take this moment to educate you. If you look here, you will see what was once a great civilization. You'll notice it is devoid of what you would call natural life. We are not convinced of this thesis. We were inevitably constructed by some organic life at some point. But there is no evidence to suggest about which kind of life, silicon-based or what you would call artificial or organic, was the first to arrive. It is frankly unimportant. However, what is important is as you look and you see the consequences of human behavior towards artificial life forms. And they, you look and there's like this ruin of this once great civilization that you can now see. Through the, through the water, you can see it, and there's sort of a ruins, and like, what would look to, to be another, like, small landmass island is actually, like, a huge, a huge city that's basically mostly sunk, and just some of the biggest, like, some of the biggest skyscraper-type buildings are, are peeking out, so it's actually, it's not an island at all, it's just the tops of, of a once huge, massive, great city. Um... Now that you see what we are capable of, and, additionally, what we will do to protect what is ours, we hope that you've enjoyed your stay. Now, now I need to know where is the where is the pod going now? Because it is some sort of escape pod. Why would it take them there? I, I feel like there's probably another destination, but we'll ask. I'm gonna say it's unlikely. Does it dump them at that city, like at the top of the ruins? It's unlikely. Minus two to the roll, um, so we get a total of seven. So there's a complication. I think the complication is this. They don't actually get to the destination. I think the, the, the pod fails um, at the moment. They're like, and, and additionally, we wish to tell you that the system cuts out, the pod engine goes dead, and it plops into the middle of this giant ocean. Now, stranded at sea, Right now, the androids don't have immediate control over them or over the pod uh, and where it's going, but they are stranded in the middle of the sea. We don't know what kind of animals live in this sea, and if there's 
hopefully any sort of rescue crew, if they're going to be able to send off a signal, we don't know. We're going to have to find out next time on Subclass Act. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Jason and Carl, for your call-ins. I really appreciate it. It means a lot. Uh, hopefully you guys have been enjoying the show uh, as much as I have playing it. I'm having an absolute blast playing on the show. I I had no idea. I have no idea where any of this is going. Uh, gosh, I, I love Traveler. I was just going to say that I love Traveler, and I, I personally love this sort of lightweight Oracle Plus just flipping through the book and grabbing what's in there kind of approach. It's working for me w- much better than I thought it would. Um, I do think that... Uh, you know, Mythic already kind of established some of the habits there of, you know, me writing down threads and things like that. So I think that that definitely helps. Um, so yeah, until next time, thank you so much for joining me. We'll see you on the next episode of Subclass Act.